You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. John chapter 1, verse 14. We read this. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I always like at this time of year to reflect upon where we are. And I was thinking about this this morning when uh, I got this message just sent to me. It's from somebody I was really uh, astounded to hear from. Someone who came to this church about 20 years ago and a slightly different conversion story left it an atheist. Um, And I had not seen nor heard from him for a long, long time. I literally bumped into him uh, about six weeks ago and he wrote me this letter which I received this morning. About three years ago I was given your book. When I read it, David, it had a huge impact. I hadn't read The God Delusion. Your reasoning arguments were good, although I was thinking of some counter-response as I read it. But what really made a difference for me was by the time I'd finished reading it, I realized what you had that Dawkins and I didn't. Love meaning, purpose, hope. That came across really clearly to me. Christianity has the answers that really matter. After a series of other events and circumstances, God brought me to himself. And all I can say now is, hallelujah, what an awesome God. Now that is why we're here. And that's why we care about what we're doing. It's why what Paul and Debbie and the family will do in Perth is important. It's why what Andrew and Robin and the elders and the congregation in St. Catherine's Argyle, Church of Scotland, why that's important. It's why what Mission International does is important. It's why what you do in your home and in your school, in your workplace, It's why it's all important. Because this world is ultimately hopeless without Jesus Christ. And that really is the difference. The more I go on, the more I realize that without Christ, we really have nothing. I'm very, very used to making arguments for God or for Christianity and so on. But without Christ, it is all pointless. At Christmas, people use the cliche, Jesus is the reason for the season, and he is. And yet, as I've listened to and read and heard a lot of religious talk at Christmas, it does seem to me that it is reduced to religious cliche. The word Jesus is used by people as a kind of emotional, spiritual punctuation. It's used by people who tell us that we are to be nice And then tell us that Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. Who don't accept that he is the son of God. But here in this verse it's summarized wonderfully. The word, which is God, 
became flesh and dwelt among us. The Father did not become incarnate nor the Spirit, but Jesus, the Son of God, became incarnate. And as I reflect on this this morning, look at this verse this morning, I think it not only tells us about who God is, but it also tells us about who we are. And that is because Jesus is the perfect human being. So I'm just going to list some of the things, and there's a lot in this, so I I don't expect us all to go, oh yeah, I, I get all of that. But it's important to us to understand what happened when God the Son was born as Jesus the Savior? Well, the first is simply this. He became flesh. The Word became flesh. He had a human body. There was an early heresy that the first church faced called docetism. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 deals with that. It says, the one, the Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus came in the flesh. They said that the human body was evil, that matter was evil, that Jesus only appeared to be real, that he was really a ghost. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Donald MacLeod puts it this way, the great fact is that Jesus Christ, God's son, took a human body which had exactly the same biochemical composition as our own, exactly the same anatomy and physiology, the same central nervous system, and the same sensitivity to pain. In other words, when Jesus pricked his finger, it hurt. When Jesus stood on a nail, it hurt. When Jesus experienced hunger, it was real hunger. Jesus' genetic composition, chromosomes to which Mary gave half, the rest imparted miraculously. It's real, it's facts, it's matter. And I think that's an extraordinary and a wonderful thing. In this coming year, there will be many things about your body that will concern you. Think of this, that Jesus had a body and still has a body. As Rabbi Duncan now puts it, the dust of the earth now sits on the throne of heaven. The one thing that Jesus has now in heaven that he didn't have before in heaven is that he has a human body. Secondly, he has a human psychology. And uh, again, for those of you who are into long words, there was another heresy called Apollinarianism, which underplayed the humanity of Christ that said that It's really, it's all about Jesus being God. But it's not. It's all about Jesus being the God-man. And as part of that, he had a human psychology. The Catechism speaks of taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. It was not just that Jesus was physical, but includes his mind, his emotions, and his relationships. And that is astonishing. Because one of the things that you will face in this year is you'll face lots of hassles with relationships. The people who annoy you will be the people who are closest to you. It's why I know we're growing as a church when we keep irritating one another. That's we're getting closer to one another. That's what happens. People who are distant don't annoy each other. They just live very, very sad, lonely lives. People who are close together, you do annoy each other. That's what happens. And you will find that 
the biggest difficulties and problems you will have, if they are not health ones, will be ones of relationship. And you need to remember, as I need to remember, that Jesus Christ has been there, that Jesus Christ has seen it and done it and experienced it. He knows what it's like to be in relationship with other human beings, to have people let you down. He knows what it is like to have a human psychology. He also knows what it's like to have a human mind. And his human mind was limited and finite. It had to reason from premises to conclusions. For example, Mark 13.32 tells us, the son did not know. Jesus did not know everything as a human being on this earth. I mean, imagine if he did. It'd be great when it came to exams, eh, as a five-year-old. He could answer everything, but Jesus couldn't do that. And that's, for boys and girls, it's really important for you to realize, once Jesus was your age, and Jesus, would ha- he had to learn as well. He was limited in his body. Jesus couldn't be everywhere at once. The Spirit can be, God can be, But Jesus couldn't at that point. Later when he went to heaven, one of the reasons he went to heaven and didn't stay on earth was so that he could grant the Spirit, so that through his Spirit, Jesus would be present everywhere. Luke 2 verse 52, we read that Jesus increased in wisdom. Jesus was not sinful, was never sinful, but he had to learn as well. Again, I find that interesting, and especially for the children. When you go to school this year, you're going there because you have to learn, and there isn't anything that you can have. You can't have a computer or uh, a book or anything that just automatically gives you all the information. You can't stick a wee chip in your head that gives you every single bit of information you want. And in that way, you're like Jesus as well. Jesus had a human mind, and I find that an extraordinary thing because the way that my mind works, the way that I try and think, the limitations of it, to know that Jesus once subjected himself in that way as well. Fourthly, he had human emotions. We read about Jesus being joyful. We read about contentment. We read about the sorrow of bereavement. He wept. We read of his fear. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was afraid. His horror. Emotionally, in fact, Jesus went to the absolute outer limits of human endurance. Christ was not a stoic. He was not a robot. He was not somebody who was always walking around in this kind of nirvana of perfect peace all the time, no emotion affecting him. And again, think about what that means for us as we enter a new year. Do not be afraid of your emotions. Yes, there are people who let their emotions control them. That's wrong. But there are people who are so scared of shedding a tear, of showing any kind of emotion, that they brick up. And they think that somehow that is being more like God, that that is being more like Christ. And it's not. It really isn't. There is emotionalism that's wrong. There is emotional deadness that is wrong. And I tell you that one of the most dangerous prayers you will ever pray is the prayer, Lord, give me your heart. Because it will break. You really want to know what the world is like? 
pray that you would feel like Jesus would feel if he stood on the law and looked over the city. It would be very, very different. Don't be ashamed of emotion. That's part of what we are as human beings. It's part of what Jesus became. And tied in with that, of course, human relationships. Mark 3, verse 14, Jesus chose the twelve. Why? First of all, to be with him. You kind of think if anyone could go it alone, Jesus could. I mean, he's the son of God. I mean, what does he need other people for? Because he's human and because he did and because he wanted to. And there are some of us whose psychology is such that we think, I can make it on my own. I can do it on my own. And you can't. And you won't. We need one another. Jesus chose the twelve to be with him. Jesus, when he went to Gethsemane, he took the three. And again, think of that in terms of this coming year. Are we ashamed of needing others? Jesus had close friends. He liked children. There was no emotional detachedness, no fear of being vulnerable. Christ became vulnerable. Christ was cruelly hurt because of his relationships. And you and I, if we are going to grow and become more like Jesus, we are going to open ourselves up in the way that he did. I was telling some people, I might as well confess it now because I told too many people uh, already, but um, this is a sin. Well, it's not a sin really. Something I'm slightly embarrassed about from the past. I once belonged to a liturgical dance group. Okay? I know you can't imagine that. That is going to be very, very difficult. Um, a liturgical dance group. It's the kind of thing that you were given a banner and told to wave for the spirit and all this kind of stuff. I belonged for about three weeks. It was in Morningside Baptist Church. But I resigned when they told me to become like a little flower and open up. And I, I just said, there's no way. There is absolutely no way that I am opening up like a little flower in front of 300 people. What are you people on? Forget it. And at that point, liturgical dance was off my career and I went to the free church. Um, but there was a little element of truth in that that the truth is this that we can become very very closed people I've always loved that verse in the Bible Proverbs that says only a fool opens his whole heart quoted it many times when people come and say hey Dave open your heart no way I'm not telling you my heart but you can go to the other extreme where you just close yourself and you don't expose yourself or open yourself up to anybody. And that's not heroic and that's not Christ-like. Jesus had human relationships and we will too. <coughs> Jesus was in a human environment. He came into the world of sin. He didn't have to. He could have stayed out. He came into first century Nazareth as a Jew. He taught human beings by coming alongside human beings. It's what we mean by the incarnation. He was tempted. He tasted death. He knows what physical, emotional, and spiritual pain is. He remembers we are dust because he too was dust. I know that there will come a temptation to those of us as Christians as we see what continues to happen in our country and in our city and in our communities and villages and elsewhere to kind of wish 
in the words of the psalm, that we had wings like a dove and could fly away into the desert. And so the temptation is, for a Christian, let me go somewhere where I could be, you know, at peace. So we always have another place that's going to be a haven. Um, It could be, you know, let's go to the Western Isles. They're all godly people over there. You, You say that if you're not from there. You know, you just, oh, I've got, to go, I've got to go there. Or let's move out into this nice suburb. Or let's form a Christian commune. And it just never, ever, ever works. And the reason for that is because sin is within each one of us. And all our environments are polluted by sin, wherever they are. And Christ came into that world of sin. I always remember Anna Sutherland missionary to Christian witness to Israel, who said of her home village, Brora, where I was minister, she came to me once and she said, David, in this village, sin abounds. It's an incredible place for evil. And then she smiled and she said, but where sin abounds, grace superabounds. This is a great place. This city is a great place to proclaim the gospel precisely because it is dark. The light shines all the more brightly. And then Jesus was sinless, which is different from us. And he had one personality, though two natures, which is also different from us. And I can't explain that, but I believe it. I believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And therefore, we can fully follow him. I want to say in a moment just a little bit of what that following means. But let's uh, sing some words from the Bible which talk about Jesus becoming flesh. Let me just say something about how we then reflect Jesus Christ, if that's who he is. And in the coming year, God willing, we're going to be looking at, I I hope that every aspect of our worship and our lives will be Christ-centered, Christ-focused. But how does that work out in how we live? Well, there are many, many aspects of it. I just want to Name one from that passage we sang, Philippians 2.7. Making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Jesus became a servant. He took the likeness of men. He was ordinary. He took the cursed death of the cross. I think one of the most amazing things about that is, what did the angels think? When they saw their Lord and Master basically becoming a tiny wee baby becoming a servant, not a king, and being killed in the most horrible way, they must have absolutely marveled as the whole drama unfolded. I mean, have you ever watched one of those films? I mean, most films, you know, right from the very beginning, you know, you watch something like 24, you know at the beginning Jack Bauer's going to experience lots of twists and turns, he's going to torture lots of people, and eventually he's going to save the universe. That's what happens. You know that that's what's going to happen in the film, and that's not a plot spoiler. But there are other films, like if you go and see Life of Pi, it's only at the end you begin to think, wait a minute, that's what that was all about. And I think that this is one of those. It's uh, that the angels are looking on and they see what's happening with you and they go, what is that? What? What is going on? What is happening? And then as, as they see this big picture, this astonishing thing, 
I think on the cross is the last place in the whole world where anyone would look for God. And that's why that's when the disciples lost their faith and the disciples lost their hope. In 2013, you and I will come across situations that drive us to despair and hopelessness that cause us to wonder where God is. It is precisely in that point that that is where God is. Christ has gone before. And I think it's important for you and I to remember that. That whatever the year holds, and it will hold many joyful things, and it will hold many depressing and discouraging things, but whatever it holds, Christ is there already. It's important to remember. Second is this. Think in terms of New Year's resolutions, what your resolutions are for the new year, what you'd like to do, what, what, what you'd like to improve in your life. I want to suggest that this passage gives us a model for our lives, which is simply this. It is one of service. I love the quote that says this, there's scarcely a month that a church is not wrecked by somebody. That is the whole problem. There's always a somebody. If we were willing to be nobodies, the church would not be wrecked. He made himself of no reputation. In other words, Jesus came and lived as though he wasn't the most important person in the world. In fact, he lived as the lowliest person. If anyone would come after me, he says, John 13, 14, let him deny himself. And what did Jesus do? He washed his disciples' feet. Now, that's, in that culture and in our culture as well, that's the mankiest task you'll ever be given to do. It's worse than cleaning out the toilets. I like what Andrew said actually about, you know, he's preaching and they've also got him cleaning. Because we should be able to share in those things. The God who washes feet, that should really affect our thinking and our attitudes. In the words of Hebrews, we have been set free to serve the living God. Now, some of us are motivated to serve by greed. We're motivated to serve by seeking prestige, by self-glory, by guilt. Uh-oh, here goes another sermon that makes me feel guilty, and so on. And we're very good at manipulating ourselves and manipulating others to serve. Don't you love me? Try to manipulate and twist people. We're very, very good at it. God doesn't do that. And he doesn't want us to serve out of that. He wants us to serve. But our service this year should be joyful and hopeful and free. And it can only be so because it is centered on Jesus Christ. One of those dreadful songs that I learned as a child, almost on a par with my liturgical dance, was once singing in a church choir, washing the dishes, Lord, washing the dishes, living for your glory, washing the dishes. And the song went on like that for numerous verses. Um, it was a dreadful tune as well. But actually, the sentiment in it was absolutely correct. You live for God's glory by serving we focus on the one who came not to be served, but to serve. And just think about how that infects your attitude in everything. So we have a church meal, for example, and you're thinking, where's my food? 
But if you're thinking Christ-like, you're thinking, how can I give other people food? And we're so complex as human beings that sometimes you get people go, I'm going to give other people food so that I feel really good. And people will see what a wonderful servant. No, no, that's missing the point. The point is that when you focus on Christ, you're thinking, not can one, where can I get my pie? But how can I give someone else? And that, is, that doesn't come easily. It doesn't come naturally. It is something that is supernatural. And it only comes when we focus on Jesus Christ. It may not seem the most ambitious or the best New Year's resolution in the eyes of the world. But I can't think of a better one. And that is that I resolve to serve Jesus Christ by serving his people and by loving and serving his world. You know, sometimes an awful lot of our problems within ourselves are caused precisely because we focus on ourselves. We need to focus on Jesus Christ. And rather than that putting us in some kind of holy bubble, it actually releases us to be free to serve. So you try something and it fails, so what? You want to go help somebody and they despise you, so what? You're always just following the one who's the greatest servant of all. And here is the absolute paradox. When you give your life, you receive your life. When you die to self, you become more human, more yourself than you could ever possibly be in any other way. And when you seek to preserve your own life, when you seek to have everything focused on yourself, you eat yourself up, you destroy yourself. It is a marvelous and a wonderful liberation psychologically, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, environmentally. It is a marvelous liberation to know that I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you are a Christian, that's what you've got. And it should send you from this place with your heart singing. And if you are not a Christian, that's what you are offered. No religion in this world offers it. I was listening to a talk from William Lane Craig this morning. And uh, he was talking about in Islam, there are numerous verses in the Quran. I've read them. We say this, God does not love the unbeliever. God does not love this person. God does not love that person. But the Christian faith says God so loved that he gave. While we were still his enemies, God loved. Buddhist philosophy, which is the basic philosophy in much, I think, of our education system. Buddhist philosophy says, you know, you, you, you serve yourself and you, you, you try and, and reach this state of nirvana in your mind. You try and get to this place of nothingness. And Christianity says, no, no. We don't want the place of nothingness. We want the place where Christ is at the center. And because of him, everything has meaning and has purpose. And if you are not a Christian, I just simply want to say to you, you need to find Jesus Christ. He is the pearl of greatest treasure. And without him, your 2013 will be wasted. Don't waste any of it. 
It's my hope and my prayer that all of us will be able to see Christ and to know Christ better and to be able to serve him. May God bless his word to us. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.